welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. You guys are on the road at the CONCACAF Gold Cup, where in last night's semifinals, we're taping this the day after, uh, I think CONCACAF CONCACAFed more than it has ever CONCACAFed. Just unreal scenes at the Georgia Dome, as I'm sure you both can attest, and I, I can't wait to hear about your experiences. Jamaica beating the USA in the semifinals, sending the USA to the third place game and a, confer- a Confederations Cup playoff in October, and then Mexico benefiting from another late penalty call, coming back to stun Panama an extra time. Uh, Grant, you've seen a lot of CONCACAF. Uh, where does this rank on the CONCACAF scale? Peak, peak CONCACAF uh, in Atlanta. It, it's Think about it in these terms. The U.S. got set, in my opinion, I think Brian's opinion, I think maybe Avi's opinion, the biggest upset loss in the history of U.S. men's soccer, the national team. Uh, and that was kind of the uh, the footnote on the night. That wasn't re- the big story of the evening in the end. Obviously, for U.S. fans, it was. But uh, the incident that ensued in the nightcap uh, with another American, Mark Geiger, in the middle of it as the referee, uh, just surreal to to witness. Uh, you know the the calls that were made. The red card Geiger gave in the first half to Luis Tejada of, of Panama that was, for me, just a yellow and really not even that close to a red. Uh, the response from Panama with 10 men to take the lead in the second half. And then an 89th-minute penalty from Geiger that wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. Uh, and we've seen this now in the last couple of games with Mexican games very late uh, in their favor. Uh, even the Mexican players, Andres Guardado and, and Coach Miguel Herrera, saying they didn't think it was a penalty. And Mexico getting a real penalty in extra time, winning the game, qualifying for the final. But uh, seeing the, the the Panamanian players charge at Geiger at the, the closing whistle was downright scary. And I, and I was really worried for his safety. And, and obviously, it's one thing to have uh, some bad calls. You should never, ever be worried for your safety as a referee in a match. It, it was just ugly and scary and... Uh, to see the Panamanian players hold up a sign saying CONCACAF thieves in Spanish uh, as their team photo after the game. I, I, this is it's WWE wrestling. It's insane. And obvi- I mean, they have to be reprimanded, right? They're going to be punished. It's going to add insult to injury, you would think. But uh, it's how can you blame them? It's this is the second. T- I mean, look, the, the USA screwed screwed Panama over in World Cup qualifying uh, with with. San Zusi, uh saving Mexico, but but this was this just straight up thievery. You can't. It just. God damn, uh, Brian. What uh, <laughs> what uh, <laughs> just getting fired up. Where uh, would where would Mexico be without the U.S.? First you have Zusi, then you have Geiger. I mean, just think how many favors uh, the Mexican Federation owes U.S. Soccer. Uh, it's 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 unbelievable. And, and my, my favorite moment from last night was after after the. Uh, the extra time penalty uh adolfo machado took the ball out of the goal and just punted it into the georgia dome stance just out of frustration it was funny you just figure that's it and then he like yells at a ball kid behind the goal give me the ball give me the ball and the kid throws him the ball and he punts that into the stance and then he goes over to toward the corner flag to that ball boy 
give me the ball, give me the ball. And he does the same thing. It was hysterical. And I don't think anybody – it was like every – you know, Mexico was running back to the center circle and, and then everybody was sort of focusing on the goal. And, and I don't know that anyone – it was weird. Like he did this in a stadium of 50,000 people. And I, I think maybe like six people saw him do it, but it was hysterical. Amazing. No um, gift yet, unfortunately. Unbelievable. Uh, at the end of the day, we get a Mexico-Jamaica final, which – uh, which is shocking. Let's let's go back to to Grant. Your point earlier was this the biggest U.S. upset loss in in national team history? And and they've lost World Cup qualifiers that that were huge upsets. But and and I think you wrote this on Planet Football. Uh, you know those aren't one off. You're done. You don't make the World Cup. You know the U.S. has has qualified for the World Cup since you know after that loss. This mm-hmm. is a U.S. soil against a Look, take nothing away from Jamaica because they've played incredibly well during this Gold Cup. They're, what, the 76th ranked team in the world playing right. in the USA with, with a roster that has, has talent, right? Some guys in the Premier League, some guys in MLS. Some but... One guy in USL. <laughs> one, one very shaky goalkeeper in, in USL. Uh, but when you compare the rosters, you would expect on paper the U.S. to win that game. Uh, considering the stakes, considering that now the U.S., doesn't even make the final, let alone get a chance to, to automatically clinch the place in the Confederations Cup. Uh, you, I, I, it's definitely in the conversation, right? Oh, yeah, and, and I've thought this through and, and, and think at this point that it is. Uh, but I think it should be put into context, which is that part of the fact that this was an upset is the growth of U.S. men's soccer in the last 15 years sure. or so, yeah. where – the U.S. is a regional heavyweight in CONCACAF now in a way that it wasn't 20, 25 years ago. So, um, you know, when the U.S. lost to Haiti in 1969 on home soil, the U.S. was not a good soccer country. Um, and now this is a team that has made the last two ra- uh, rounds of 16 at the World Cup, three to the last four, uh, has qualified for the last seven World Cups, talking about the U.S. here. Um, and... This was a Jamaica team that I think has gotten a lot out of having played together at Copa America and now come to this tournament, but it's still a giant upset. Uh, you know, the only comparisons I could make or other possibilities I think are Iran and the '98 World Cup, and the stakes were certainly higher then. Uh, but I don't think that U.S. team was was as good. That was a bad U.S. team, uh, and and I think that Iran team actually wasn't bad. Um, so. Uh, Honduras 2001 World Cup qualifier uh, in DC beat the US three to two, uh, but you know there was wiggle room. You know that US team still qualified for the World Cup, got all the way to the quarterfinals. So uh, you put all that together, and, and I would consider this the biggest upset loss in, in US men's history. Brian, what uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, we started, we were talking about it even during the game. Um, you know, I don't think losing a World Cup qualifier, certainly on the road in CONCACAF, is ever an upset. Um, crazy thing, ha- crazy things happen there. Uh, losing a game at the World Cup finals, never an upset. So then you start to look at, you know, big games on home soil against teams that, you know, that you should beat, that you're better than, that you've only lost to once in your history. Uh, and this game checks all those boxes. So, uh, you know, not the most painful loss in U.S. history, uh, not the most devastating loss in U.S. history. I don't think there are huge ramifications from this game, uh, but pure upset. Yeah, I think it. I think it makes it. 
And I think that's an important distinction to to make in terms of the pain scale and, and the upset scale. Those are two entirely different things. That's that's a really good point. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann now. He, <laughs> he could do no wrong. They beat Netherlands in Germany. We've seen this before. They they win big games. They do well uh, according to expectations in, in the World Cup. And then they take a step back. What do we make of the Klinsmann regime. Bob Bradley was fired for losing a Gold Cup final. I don't think anyone's expecting Jurgen Klinsmann to to get fired. There's a different standard. There's a different level of, of expectation and, and this and that. I think that's all pretty well documented. But he's got an answer to this. This is a, a pretty big failure. Yeah, it's one thing to, to win friendlies and get results in friendlies, but this is a competition. And this was the big competition in 2015 for the United States. Now, an even bigger competitive game is now coming in October, on October 9th, against the winner of this tournament with a berth in Confederations Cup on the line. And if the U.S. loses that game, I, I really do think Jurgen Klinsmann will con- come under significant heat um, and should. Uh, will he be fired? I, I still doubt it. Uh, here's a guy who is making probably north of $3 million a year at this point. Um, who has a contract through the next World Cup, who has uh, a plan and uh, has the support of his boss, Sunil Gulati, the U.S. soccer president. So October is going to be important, though, for, for the U.S., and not just because of Confederations Cup, but because of Olympic qualifying. And this is something that the U.S. failed to do four years ago, and Klinsman has another hand-picked guy, Andy Herzog, running this qualifying situation. And... That is an important thing for the development of this team uh, over the years here uh, to get experience for these young U.S. players at the Olympics. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you look at, at what's coming in October and you have a possibility for two successes or one or zero. And if there's zero, then there's going to be some really, really unhappy U.S. soccer fans that month. As, as they should be. I mean, listen, he... He came in here making a lot of a lot of promises. There's been the time to to put in to make you know plant those seeds and make those promises come to fruition. Um, the World Cup again, getting out of the group of death, coming within you know not not necessarily a deserved win over Belgium, but still they had the chance. Uh, but here we are again talking about a a failure on the Concacaf level, and that's that's kind of staggering based on what we're made to believe was, was going to be happening. Um, Brian, in terms of the, the personnel choices that he made uh, lineup-wise, I guess somewhere injury-induced, uh, but do you, do you think he's, you know, is this on the players? Is this, is this on him? Were they not put in position to succeed against Jamaica? You know, I mean, Brad Guzan's handball, you know, Brad Guzan was, was, is everyone's choice to, you know, to be the number one keeper. I suppose some people might change their mind if Tim Howard makes himself available, but that, that was Brad Guzan's mistake. I mean, I think everyone thought Aaron Johansson should be starting, and, and, and he missed an open net on a header. Um, you know, Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey wasn't really a factor, and, and granted, he, he more than pulled his weight during the course of this tournament. Kyle Beckerman has had better games. So, so, so there are plenty of players who I think everyone agreed, uh, you know, media and fan alike, should be on the field. Who, who didn't perform at their best last night. And, and games like this come down to very, very small things, uh, slivers and margins. And, and I don't think the issues with Klinsman, good or bad, w- w- would be different had Michael Bradley's pile driver of a shot in the second half rebounded off the goalie and gone in instead of rebounding off the goalie and hit the post. You know, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't change who Klinsman is as a coach 
uh, or as a technical director or anything like that. There are, there are habits that he has, uh, putting young players into difficult situations, uh, asking players to do more than they're accustomed to on the field, uh, changing tactics, changing systems, uh, you know, giving, giving players different and, and expanding uh, responsibilities. Uh, these are things that he will do and would continue doing whether or not they won or lost last night. So, you know, I, I don't see last night as much of a referendum on Klinsman as perhaps several others do because I, I don't think it really changes anything. And, and maybe October will tell us how much progress he's made and maybe we won't really know till 2018. That's way too rational uh, of an explanation. <laughs> uh, I, I disagree with it. I, I, I think this is something that Klinsman himself pointed to this Gold Cup as measure me by results in this tournament. This is what we're focusing on this year, uh, and we really, really want to win this tournament. And they didn't do it. Not only did they not do it, they didn't even get to the final. They, they lost to a team. It's the first time the U.S. has ever been eliminated from the Gold Cup by uh, a CONCACAF team other than Mexico. So uh, you got to measure a guy. He tells us to measure, measure this by, by his results in this tournament. Not good. This tournament will not be remembered well. And it's not just the Jamaica game. It's the entire group stage, the way the U.S. played, uh, which was, for the most part, aside from that Cuba game, when Cuba was awful, uh, not very impressive, but disjointed attack, real questions on the back line. Uh, Timmy Chandler, when he was playing, not good. Uh, the two center backs, uh, not the two best options. Right now, if you want to win a tournament, uh, not performing well. Uh, I think if you're Matt Beesler and Omar Gonzalez and Tim Reams, even, uh, and I do wonder about Jeff Cameron, and supposedly Stoke City didn't want him to be made available this summer, but that's a little, a little odd. They certainly could have called him in uh, for this tournament. Uh, there's other guys, I think, who if, if the U.S. really, as Klinsman wanted to, to do, to win this tournament, that he would have put in that position and not used guys in development roles uh, for a competitive tournament like this. That was, that was kind of my point, is that Jurgen is going to Jurgen, right? And he may tell us that he should be judged based on results and that he really wants to win this tournament. And I'm sure that's mostly true. But he says all kinds of crazy stuff to us. And, and, and I just think that his, the, his habits and the trends under him as coach uh, are, are identifiable and quantifiable, and they've been the same, and, and they would have been the same regardless of whether they won or lost last night. I just don't think this is going to change Jurgen's approach at all. I do think, though, that it's not just about his approach. It's how the players are responding to him over time. And this is always the issue when you get into a second four-year cycle. And this is what Bob Bradley dealt with, which is players – at least certain players and some important players started tuning him out. Now, I still think that Clint Dempsey was tuning out Jurgen Klinsmann earlier this year, and then it seemed like in this tournament he started to tune him back in, but results are what matters most, and I'm very curious to see how this U.S. team, especially the star guys, uh, respond to Klinsmann inside the locker room uh, over the next few months leading up to this big game in October. If there's one thing we've seen, it's that when the U.S. deals with setbacks like this under Klinsman, they tend to respond pretty well, which, which you know, doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to happen this time. But you look at, at what happened at the start of, of World Cup qualifying for, for the 2014 mm-hmm. World Cup in Brazil, and, and they come back in, in the snow and in Azteca, and then all of a sudden they're on a roll. 
uh, all of this can be washed away with an October 9th victory. It doesn't take away the fact that this was a colossal just disaster, but the ultimate goal was getting to the Confederations Cup and, and being more prepared for Russia 2018, and that's still on the table. Uh, so, it's look, it's, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating time to, to be following this team. They've got games against Peru and Brazil, uh, in D.C. and Foxborough, Massachusetts in September to, to kind of bounce back from this or go further into a hole. Uh, and, then, uh, and then there's the October playoff against either Jamaica or Mexico. Um, I also think it's worth asking the question, is Confederations Cup as important as some people are making it out to be? No, but, but at the same time, these are the tournaments they play in and, and try to play in. So, and if they're stating these as their goals, and you do hear a lot of players talk about how, how much the 09 Confed Cup helped uh, yes. going into 2010. Um, so I think in terms of preparation, yeah, in terms of uh, stature, I mean, nobody cares who wins the Confederations Cup, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there are Tahiti played in the Confederations Cup. It doesn't really make it the, the, most, the, the most prestigious of tournaments but you also get a chance to play potentially chile and, and germany and russia in russia those are those are important building blocks so it, you know if you're taking the long view and looking at the the progress towards 2018 then yeah it, it would be a a bummer as uh, as jürgen might say if uh <laughs> if they miss out but they're still going to be a favorite to to qualify for for 2018 regardless right I think so. I, I, I just am starting to see this Confederations Cup thing being made into like the be-all, end-all. I, I think it's important from a logistical perspective, from a personal perspective, getting to experience the World Cup place, particularly a sort of vaguely sinister World Cup place like Russia uh, the year before, just so you can get a sense of what it's like. Did I just call it vaguely sinister? Was that bad? Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, in any case, I, I guess I get that. The competition part, okay, you know, maybe. Um, but uh, I, I guess I do like the idea that October 9th is going to have some pretty big buildup um, to that game. Uh, and if it's USA-Mexico in the Rose Bowl, that, that should be an interesting environment. If it's USA-Jamaica somewhere else, uh, maybe a little bit less. But uh, you like to have games that matter, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. Brian, what, what do you make of of the confederations cup is this is it the the 2017 holy grail that the usa should be shooting for or, or ultimately in the big picture whatever i mean it's better to play in it than not play in it right i mean it's it's uh you know i agree with grant it's uh it's it's a good run through for guys to get a sense of the logistics and the country where they're going to spend the following summer and look it's it's the only chance outside the world cup to go up against European or South American countries in official competition. That's it. I mean, you get you get one or two chances every four years at a World Cup to play, you know, a, a soccer power, quote unquote, in in a, in a game that counts, in a game that matters, in in a in a tournament that has a trophy at the end of it. And the Confederations Cup is, other than that, the only other place where they can do that. Otherwise, it's you know, Jamaica and Panama and Mexico and Costa Rica over and over and over and over again. So you know, to me. It's important. It's important to have that experience. It's important to uh, to to get the guys' exposure to those kinds of conditions. And and why wouldn't you want to play in it? Why wouldn't you want to sell out to try to qualify for it? I mean, there's nothing else going on that summer, so you may as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, they could always just try and schedule a friendly against Russia in Moscow, right? I mean, <laughs> backup plan. Um, 
well, look, they're they're either going to play Mexico or Jamaica in that October 9th game. Uh, interesting final. Mexico doesn't look good. Uh, Carlos Vela, I mean, he hasn't really been playing all that well anyway, but he picked up a foolish second yellow card of a knockout round, and he's out. They're already missing Chicharito. Giovanni Dos Santos is injured. The only way it seems like they can score is is from the penalty spot through Andres Guardado, who, by the way, has been fantastic and, and stoic. I think a lot of his remarks after the Panama game uh, that you saw coming out were, were classy as all hell. Um, but I, uh, is Jamaica the favorite? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, they, they are playing some pretty decent soccer in this tournament. Uh, and so I, I think uh, Winnie Schaefer and his wonderful hair have, have really uh, done good work uh, with this Jamaica team. And he has a chance, by the way, having coached Cameroon to the O2 African Nations Cup title to become a rare coach to win two continental championships. Um, and to have a chance with Jamaica, the first Caribbean team to make it to the Gold Cup final, uh, that guy deserves a lot of credit. So does Giles Barnes. You know, I, I've really enjoyed watching him play in this tournament. Uh, enjoyed interviewing him this week. Nice suggestion there, Avi, uh, <laughs> for SI. And you know, just uh, a thundering free kick um, uh, to end up being the game winner against the U.S. He's had two straight game winners. Um, I talked to him after the game. I waited last night, and uh, and obviously he was in a really good mood. He just got a text from his parents in, in London. And uh, I asked him, when you're that close, do you ever think about trying to take the free kick under the wall instead of over it like that? He's like, nah. Uh, but he was surprised a little bit that the U.S. wall didn't jump that much. Um, and, you know, really well-taken free kick. Odd thing that led to it, but uh, I still think Mexico has to be the favorite uh, uh, if not because they're playing well, because they're not, but also because, hey, let's be honest, they're getting a lot of calls lately. They are, they are. Let's go back to that Guzan call, by the way. I've no, The last time I saw the elbow rule called was was in beer pong in college. Like, <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen a, a goalkeeper be whistled for that. Maybe it happens, you know, the act itself happens and, and the assistants just don't catch it. Um, and And Brian, back to your point, what you were saying, you know how how this tournament is is turning into a referendum on on Klinsman, whether that's fair or not. Uh, that is a, a mental mistake on on Guzan's part, and and it led to the goal. You know, well, and and the U.S. isn't the only team in this tournament that's looked. You guys just spent a few minutes talking about how Mexico hasn't been playing well either. I mean, Panama may feel aggrieved, but Panama didn't win a single game at this Gold Cup, right? Three ties in the group stage, penalties in the quarterfinal, and then and then a 90-minute draw against Mexico, whether that was deserved or not. So no one has looked great in this tournament. And, it, and it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be referring to this quote probably in everything I say and do for the rest of my career, Michael Bradley just calling the tournament ridiculous. It, 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 it doesn't put anyone in position to play their best. And, and, and no one has blown the doors off here or really covered themselves in football and glory in the past three weeks. And it just so happens, I think, last night that, that a few bounces uh, went against the U.S. And, and a few bounces went for Mexico. And, and, and that, I think, is as much the reason we're seeing the matchup we are in the final as any sort of big picture, big picture issues. I, I don't think Klinsman did anything different last night than he's been doing for four years. Do you think Jamaica is, is positioned to, to win this thing, though? Or, or, or do you still think Mexico... Given all of its what have yous, uh, is is still the team to beat here? 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't gamble, but I figure when you gamble, if you bet on a game, if you pick a winner, you, you probably are safer picking the team with more talent, uh, with the understanding that sometimes that team doesn't win. Um, so, you know, Mexico on paper is a better team and, uh, you, you'd expect them to win the game. They have experience here. Uh, they have guys who've played in this kind of crucible before, um, you go with them, but, uh, you know, at the same time, a U.S. Mexico playoff for the Confederations Cup berth. I mean, that would be uh, that would be as epic as it gets. So I wouldn't mind that. That's that's true. Uh, well, how about this third place game? What, uh, Brian? Let's start with you. What uh, kind of response do you expect from from the U.S. here? I've covered a few third place games in my career. Uh, it's it's a fascinating bit of uh, soccer limbo uh, to be at these games. Um, what I found is that leading into a third place game, everybody is miserable and everybody thinks they shouldn't be played and, and, and people feel bad about losing in the semifinals and they just want to go home and feel sorry for themselves. But then once you kick off, they can be great, they can be fun, and they do start to matter. I mean, the, the difference between bronze and nothing, I think, is bigger than the difference between bronze and silver. You know, you, you don't want to get nothing. And, and I've seen plenty. I mean, look at the England women celebrate with their bronze medals. The Dutch men last year, I mean, Louis van Hall went on and on about how stupid it was. And they looked pretty happy getting their bronze medals after beating Brazil in the third place game. So, so I expect this, I expect Jurgen to, to trot out guys like Chris Wondolowski and Joe Corona and, and, and Tim Ream and guys like that. But at the same time, the guys who are on the field are going to want to win that game because you don't want to leave with nothing. And it's a chance to, to avoid that. And so I think once it kicks off, it'll be, a, it'll be competitive. Yeah, and and for the U.S. too. I mean, look, they're not going to be happy regardless. But going out with back-to-back losses to Jamaica, Panama uh, is not a good look. And for pride reasons, for momentum reasons, for what well, just I mean, Panama is going to give them a game, assuming that they have enough players not suspended to play. <laughs> they're not already on. <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> uh, if not for ticket sales, Concacaf might just send them home, ban them. Uh, I... Let me remind you, the, the, the entire Panamanian team just had a, posed for a picture in the locker room with a banner saying, CONCACAF thieves, <laughs> corrupt corruptos. According, according to the U.S. Justice Department, they are technically correct. <laughs> and you saw the, uh, the cover of Critica, the, the newspaper in Panama this morning, uh, with effing arbitro with a picture of Mark Geiger and a stack of cash. Uh, oh my God, that's an amazing cover, by the way. Not anything we can really run on SI.com. I was going to say, are there Time Inc. regulations against that? Can we not do that? Uh, yes. Answers <laughs> <Just> my question. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just the, the brazenness of, of Panama here. CONCACAF's going to come down on them at some point, and I, it's, it's, I, it's I, interesting. I, I do wonder, I mean, I, I think Panama will show up for the third place game, in part because I would guess if they didn't, they would probably get kicked out of World Cup qualifying uh, by CONCACAF. But uh, I, I'm very curious. I'd like to spend some time here in Philadelphia with the Panamanians and see how they're approaching this. Uh, you know, do they do any media? Do they continue calling CONCACAF thieves? Um, you know, they didn't cover themselves in glory by charging after the referee at the, at the end of the game. Uh, against Mexico, uh, and I and I would argue in the big picture, I don't know if I, you know, the, the banner was was more amusing, um, and that took some guts, and we'll see if Concacaf comes down on them here, and and how will they respond? The Panamanians, will they 
Will they be hard to play for the U.S.? Will they not? Will they even care? Um, third place games are crazy. Uh, and so sometimes they're fun. Sometimes you see a lot more goals, like in the World Cup third place game, and it becomes kind of a celebration. Uh, these two teams, the U.S. and Panama, don't seem to be in a celebrating frame of mind, and my guess is that uh, their MLS teams would prefer that they not play a third-place game and they get their players back sooner rather than later. Um, but knowing how Jurgen Klinsmann works, if the U.S. can win this game, he will very publicly spin this heel in, in a great response and try and get things moving uh, in a positive direction uh, heading toward October. Well, Jurgen does as Jurgen does. Uh, that will, will do it for us today. Great talk, guys. Uh, fascinating times indeed for the U.S. men's national team, for CONCACAF. Didn't even really get into to what I thought we were going to end up talking about was Clint Dempsey's pursuit of Landon Donovan's goal record, which now seems just quite secondary. Of course, he's within 10 uh, of Donovan's 57. Um, but look, that's something for another day. A few more U.S. games coming up on the horizon. And of course, that big October 9th date against either Mexico or Jamaica with a trip to the Confederations Cup on the line. So... I want to thank Grant Wall and Brian Strauss for joining us from the road at the Gold Cup. I am Avi Creditor. Thanks for listening to us as always. We'll talk to you next week. about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.